Welcome back to the future. I mean, back to the 80s, because that's where we're going. Back to a great time of life. You remember those days? Uh, just so we know who's here. Uh, how many of you were alive in the 80s? All right, now, of those of you who were alive in the 80s, let me ask, how many of you have memories of, you weren't born like December 1989, you, you have memories of living in the 80s, the greatest decade in all of human history, yes, yes, we're, we're going to celebrate the 80s, we're going to celebrate the music and the movies of the 80s because it was a great time to be alive, it was a very different time than right now, I had better vision in the 80s. We didn't have um, we we didn't have iPhones in the eighties. Uh, if you had a phone, it came in a bag with a cord and buttons that were hard to push, and you paid by the minute for your cell phone. We, we were twenty years from when the iPhone would be released. Twenty years. Some of us had a pager though. How many of you had a pager or beeper? Yeah, yeah, you had to pay to go off, and then you had to, something else we don't have. You, you had to find a pay phone so you could call whoever called you and find out what they wanted uh, with you. It was, a, it was a different time. We didn't have laptops back in the 80s. Schools did not issue iPads to all of the students. We had trapper keepers back then. Like, <laughs> that was high-tech trapper keepers. Put everything in your trapper keeper, carry it around. You were cool if you had a trapper keeper. Um, we could take computer classes. Right? Some, of, some of us in the 80s, you could take computer class, computer skills, because this big, huge machine that you would sit in front of, and all the letters were green. Uh, there was no USB drive. You didn't put anything in the cloud. Uh, clouds were for rain. You didn't put content in the clouds. Uh, back in the 80s, if you were lucky, you had a floppy disk, right? You had a floppy disk, and you put your data on. You couldn't put much on there, but you put whatever you could on there, and that's where you did all of your work. Um, we couldn't Google the answers to our homework, all right? Kids today, you don't know what it was like. We actually had to memorize things. Like we had to know dates and people. We had to actually do our homework. We couldn't Google or you couldn't Google anything. There was no Google back in the 80s. I mean, if you said you were going to Google something, people looked at you weird. Like you'd get arrested. You'd talk about Googling people. There was no Google. It was all in your brain. Like you had to learn stuff back in the 80s. There was no streaming. Uh, if you wanted to watch a television show that came on Thursday nights at 8 o'clock, you had to be at home in front of the television on Thursday night at 8 o'clock or else you didn't see it. You missed that episode. And the best you could do was hope that they replayed the one you missed in the summer when they did all the reruns so that you could see it again. You, you couldn't binge watch a whole television series back in the 80s. We didn't know what binge watching. Binge was something else back in the 80s, but it wasn't watching TV, right? That's not what binging was back in the 80s. You couldn't, you couldn't catch up. There was not a channel devoted to telling you what was on all the other channels on our TV. 
There was only three or four channels anyway, and you didn't have a guide. You did like every respectable person. You bought a TV guide at the grocery store every week, and it told you what was coming on and what time, and then you decided what you wanted to watch because you had to be in front of the TV in order, in order to watch it. Um, we took pictures with real cameras. This has been a long time ago. Like real cameras that you had to buy film for. You had to go to the store and you had to buy film and batteries and you had to put them in your camera and then you could take pictures, but you never knew what the picture looked like for weeks. If somebody wanted to know, were my eyes closed? I, I tell you in three weeks when I pick them up from Revco. I don't have any idea if your eyes were, did we get the picture? I don't know where we got the picture. And you'd have to use up a whole, film, a whole roll, right? You didn't want to use half a roll because that's just a waste of money. You had to buy more film. You had to pay for more developing, which is why when you went to pick up your pictures after they had been developed, they shipped them off and they came back. It was kind of like finding treasure because by the time you developed a roll of film, you'd forgotten half of the pictures that you took. It's like, oh, I forgot we took that picture. Oh, that's, I didn't remember that. It's this wonderful little treasure hunt. Uh, of pictures. We didn't take thousands of pictures back in the 80s. We didn't do selfies. Uh, I have probably deleted more pictures from my phone in 2018 than I took the first 30 years of my life. Because right? we just didn't go around snapping pictures and, and snapping videos all the time because you, you had to pay for that. You, you had to buy film. There was no Netflix. There was no Prime Video. There was no Hulu. If you wanted to see a movie, you had two choices. You go to the theater. That's, that's the main choice. You go to the theater, you buy a ticket, and you watch the movie. Then somewhere in the 80s, video rental stores came about. It didn't start with Blockbuster. It just start, started with, uh, you know, kind of mom and pop, little in the strip mall. Uh, you go in, then Blockbuster comes along, and you just have all of these movies, and you walk around. You remember Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're walking around Blockbuster trying to find a movie that you want to watch, and you're hoping that behind the case is an actual movie and not that card, right? The card that said, like, sorry, we're all out. Because you'd go, new movies, they would just have tons of, kind of like 30 copies, 40 copies. This whole section was a brand new movie, and you'd go through all of them, and there'd be a card behind everyone. Sorry, already, already rented. Sorry, we don't have any more. Which meant you went to the return bin, right? You go to the return bin, and you sort through the return bin to see if somebody had returned it, and they hadn't checked it back in. Because then you could take it to the cash register, and he could check it in, so he could check it back out to you, and you could go home. Go home happy. This is the way we did it. VHS. There were no DVDs. It was VHS tapes, and they always wanted you to rewind it before you brought it back, right? You remember the sign, be kind, please rewind. Right? That was the mantra of video rentals back in the 80s. We didn't, we didn't have all the stuff that the kids have. And if you're under 30, you're probably thinking, well, that was a terrible time to live. I'm so glad I went alive. There was no social media, all right, to make it worse for some of you. There's no social media, thank goodness. Um, if you wanted to be social, you went outside and you found a neighbor to be social, all right? You, you found a friend from school and you, you didn't write things on walls or you got in trouble for vandalism back then, right? There was no posting things. There was no social media. We were, again, 
we were 20 years from Facebook launch in 2004. We didn't have social media. And, 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 and if you didn't live through that time, you could think, well, that was just had to be awful. It was great, wasn't it? Those of you who were alive in the 80s, like the culture and the music and the, the fashion was hilarious. We thought we looked so good back then, and the big hair, don't care, and the wings, and it was an incredible time. Uh, great music. How about, how about Zach taking on Whitney Houston this morning? Like, that's bold. That's bold. If you're going to sing Whitney Houston, you got to be brave. The band's going to play some 80s music each week in this series. It was great music and uh, great movies. Uh, the 80s launched a lot of... Um, uh, uh, series of music, uh, uh, of mo- sequels of movies, a whole series. They got launched. Uh, indelible characters, right? characters we all recognize, we all remember that are part of our culture. Uh, they, they all sort of got launched back during the 80s. So over these next five weeks, we're going we're gonna to look at some of the most popular movies of the 80s and ask, what do they still have to teach us? Like, what are some underlying themes that can still help us in our life starting today with Back to the Future, Michael J. Fox, Leah Thompson, Christopher Lloyd, time travel in a DeLorean. Wasn't that the greatest thing you could ever think of? Traveling through time in a DeLorean would have been awesome. And those of you who saw it, you, you know the, the movie wasn't really about time travel. It wasn't so much about the DeLorean as it was about... All of the relationships and circumstances and, and, and seeming random choices that lead to the life that we know. And that it's possible that if one of those was different or two of those were different, then maybe our life would be different. There's a part in the movie, uh, if you remember, Marty's, Marty's dad was, uh, he was kind of a goober, right? He was kind of a geek, he was a nerd and... And it was, there was sort of this tension of, of, of Marty loved his dad, but he didn't really want to be like his dad. And that, that question of, are you going to follow in the footsteps of your, are you going to become like your dad, or are you going to find a way to respect your dad, love your dad, but I don't really want to be like my dad. Here's a, here's a clip about that. Take a look at this. All right, come on. I think we're safe. You know, this time it wasn't my fault. The doc said all his clocks 25 minutes slow. Doc? Am I to understand you're still hanging around with Dr. Emmett Brown McFly? Party stuff for you, Miss Parker. And one for you, McFly. I believe that makes four in a row. Now, let me give you nickels worth of free advice, young man. This so-called Dr. Brown is dangerous. He's a real nutcase. You hang around with him, you're going to end up in big trouble. Oh, yes, sir. You've got a real attitude problem, McFly. You're a slacker. You remind me of your father when he went here. He was a slacker, too. Can I go now, Mr. Strickland? I notice your band is on the roster for the dance auditions after school today. Why even bother, McFly? You don't have a chance. You're too much like your old man. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Yeah, well, history is going to change. So that's part of the tension of the movie. Does history change? Can you, can you rewrite your story? I think back in the 80s when the movie came out, uh, if you'd ask us, none of us really thought time travel was going to be possible. If, you, if you'd ask all of us, hey, in 2018, what do you think is going to be going on? None of us would have said, time travel in DeLorean, that's going to happen. Um, 
We all sort of thought we'd have our own space cars by now, if we're honest. Thanks to the Jetsons, we all sort of thought we'd be going around, flying around our own space cars. But we didn't really think time travel would be a reality, but it's pretty cool to think about. Uh, On the one hand, from the perspective of being able to go back to significant historical events and, and view them in person live as they happen. You've probably got some of those in your mind. Like if I could travel through time, I would want to go back to this event, this moment in history, this, this big history changing moment. I'd love to see that. I'd love to know what was happening. So th- th- that's one part of time travel. But another part of time travel is the question of, would it be nice to go back in my life and change some things? Would I, like, would I like to go back and redo, relive, make a different decision, choose differently, live differently? What, what if I could go back and I could change one decision and then it would erase this thing that I've had to live with all of my life? What, what if I could eliminate it from my experience and from history, just have a totally different life because of that one thing that I changed. Have you ever played the exercise in your mind, maybe with your family, um, uh, of all the little decisions that you made and then wondering, well, what if I hadn't made that decision? And maybe it didn't seem like a big decision at the time. It was just a decision. But because of that decision, all of these other things happen in your life. Like you ever think back to when you were a kid and, and think, I wonder, I wonder what would happen if our family had moved like we talked about moving when I was 10. Like what if I grew up in a different city? Or what if we hadn't moved? We moved around a lot. What if I just grew up in that city and knew those friends? Would my life be different? What if I'd gone to a different college? If I think about that, what if I'd gone to a different school, a different college and met different people? What if I'd married somebody other than the person that I met? What if I hadn't broken up with her or with him? What if she hadn't broken up with me? What what, what if things were different? What if I made some different decisions earlier in my life? Would, Would I still be happy? Would I be happier? I not be happy? Would I have the same kids? Would they be the same kids but look differently? Would you know how did, how would that whole thing? Where if if I change just one thing, what would be the impact? That's the thrust of Back to the Future. Because if you saw the movie, you know that Marty goes back thirty years and inadvertently interrupts a moment in the life of his parents. It's not just a moment, it was the moment that they were supposed to meet. And as a result, there were all of these consequences for the potential future that was, that was going to happen. Here's another clip. Watch this. This is it. This is the answer. It says here that a bolt of lightning is going to strike the clock tower precisely 10.04 p.m. next Saturday night. If we could somehow harness this lightning, channel it into the flux capacitor, it just might work. Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right, Saturday's good, Saturday's good. I can spend a week in 1955, I can hang out, you can show me around. Marty, 
That is completely out of the question. You must not leave this house. You must not see anybody or talk to anybody. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Do you understand? Yeah, sure. Okay. Marty, have you interacted with anybody else today besides me? I'm... Yeah, well, I might have sort of bumped into my parents. Great Scott! Let me see that photograph again of your brother. Just as I thought. This proves my theory. Look at your brother. His head's gone. It's like it's like it's been erased. Erased from existence. So altering that one thing that happened is now having repercussions in the future. Erasing something from existence. And, and Marty, as you know, has to go to great lengths to try to get his parents to meet and get his parents to fall in love and have their first kiss at the school dance. He has to go through all of this stuff. And, and maybe for some of us, maybe for a lot of us or all of us, there are parts of our past that we would go to great lengths to change. We would go to great lengths if we could just go back and redo something and alter the direction of our future. Hopefully, we wouldn't want to get rid of our kids, right? Most of us, hopefully, don't want to get rid of our kids, but I, I bet there are some things, some decisions that we made that if we could just do again, we think, well, maybe that would change where I am today. What do we do with the past? What do we do with regrets? What do we do with mistakes that somehow still seem a part of our life? I think one thing that you and I need to realize is that if you read the Bible, like if you seriously read through the characters of the Bible and their stories, you'll find that the people God used in the Bible all had reasons to regret their past. I'm talking about... The big characters, not some like side character over here that nobody knows. The big Abraham fathers a child with his wife's servant. But he'd go back and do that again if he could. Joseph grows up in a dysfunctional home, is beaten, thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, spends years in jail, and there probably would have been times that Joseph could have thought, my life should be different. I, I, I should have grown up in a different family. I should not have been treated this way. There was room for bitterness and anger about his past to grow up in his, in his heart. D David commits adultery with another man's wife and then arranges for that man to be killed. Peter denies Jesus at the most crucial moment in Jesus' life. Paul persecutes Christians, persecutes the church, is responsible for the death of many Christians. Thomas doubts. I mean, if you ask the, the key players in the Bible, the key characters in the Bible, look, if you could go back and do something differently, would you? I bet many of them would say, yeah, I would have done some things differently. Seeing life from where I see it now, knowing what I know now, I wish I could go undo that. Even the dominant characters of the Bible have regrets. So it shouldn't surprise us if you and I do. It shouldn't surprise us if we look back on our life and realize we, we made some missteps. Every person has some regrets. Every person. Every person has some 
thing in their life that they would like to do again or they would like to do different. I mean, if you're 10 or 12 or maybe 14-year-old, or maybe there's nothing in your path, just give it time, all right? You'll do something dumb like the rest of us. I promise. It's going to happen. You're going to make a decision and years later think, boy, that affected a lot of things. I wish I had chosen differently. But there's, there's not a DeLorean or a flux capacitor or 1.21 gigawatts. There's not a bolt of lightning that you're going to time just right and it's going to save you from all of that past. It's, it, that's not the way it works. So how are you and I to handle regrets of the past? There's a guy named Paul. He, um, he writes a lot of the New Testament. And Paul had a past, like I, like I told you. He persecuted Christians. He was responsible for the death of Christians. Paul had some really good things and some really not good things that he had to wrestle with in his past if he was going to be used by God in his future. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul addresses this a little bit. He says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here's what I notice about that short statement. The first thing I notice in Paul is an objective humility about Paul. An objective humility, a realization. Paul just comes clean. He says, look, what I'm about to say, I want you to understand, I don't think I'm perfect. I don't think I've got it all figured out. I still make some mistakes. Everything's not great in my life. I'm not the perfect role model for you to follow. I know I still have a lot of room to grow. Just an objective humility, not a false humility, uh, not a defensive humility, right? Not a, well, nobody's perfect. You shouldn't judge me. Well, we've all got stuff. It's not a defensive humility from Paul. Paul's just honest. He's just objective to say, I, I, I know I'm not all the way there yet. I'm working on it. God's working in me, and, and I'm, I'm trying to do what God wants. I do not think I'm perfect, but then he says, there's one thing. And, and that's really all Paul says at that point. We, we've added, but one thing I do in the English to kind of help us so it reads a little bit better, so we get the idea, but... Paul said, look, I know I'm not perfect. I haven't figured it all out. But one thing, I want to tell you one thing. I want you to remember one thing. This is the one way I approach my life every day. Every morning I get up, this is how I approach my life. Thinking about my past, my mistakes, and my success. Think about all of this is the one way I approach my life. And then he writes, forgetting what is behind. Now, that's where I start. Every day I get up, I could be bombarded with guilt. I could be bombarded with regret. Every morning I get up, I'm forgetting what is behind. Now, forgetting is hard to do. You might even say forgetting is impossible to do. I mean, it's, it's impossible to remove something from your brain, to remove something from your memory. And I don't think that's how Paul uses the word forgetting because that's just impossible. It's impossible to forget that decision I made, especially if that decision had consequences for people that I care about. Like if I made a decision and, and it, it hurt my spouse, 
or if I made a decision that hurt my kids, or if I made a decision and it hurt my parents, or it hurt a trusted friend, or, or, or it hurt some potential in my future, that doesn't just get removed from, from your memory. That's not what Paul's saying. He's not saying forget as in take it out of your brain. He's saying forget in this sense, not letting the pain of the past have power in the present. I'm going to forget in this sense that I'm not going to let what I did in the past have power over me today and tomorrow and into my future. The word forget can also mean uh, to neglect. Now, we normally think of neglect as a negative thing. If you, if you neglect your marriage, that's a, that's a negative thing. If you neglect your kids, that's a negative thing. If you neglect your responsibilities where you work, that's a negative thing. Paul's not using it negatively. Paul, Paul's saying, I need to neglect the guilt that keeps trying to come into my thinking. I, I need to neglect that memory that every day tries to remind me of my failures. Neglect in the sense of not paying attention to. I'm not going to pay attention to that. I'm going to neglect. I'm going to forget. I'm going to push back. I'm not going to pay attention to that thing I did last year or five years ago or 10 years ago or 30 years ago that keeps raising its head and accusing me and telling me that I'm never going to amount to anything, all of those regrets, I'm going to stop paying attention to. You see, you and I, we have to neglect the painful past in our minds that's, that's there so that we can reach the full potential in our future. We have to neglect the painful past. We can't keep reliving that. We can't keep saying, well, why didn't I? I wish I would have. If I could just go back, I'm so sorry. It doesn't mean that we pretend it didn't happen. It happened. It doesn't mean that we pretend it wasn't a big deal. It may have been a very big deal. I mean, it's only in accepting that it happened and it was a big deal that I learned from it. That's how I get wisdom is I own it. I say, yeah, I did this. It was a big deal. I'm going to learn from it, but I'm not going to keep replaying it in my mind. I'm not going to get up thinking about it every single day of my life. I'm going to forget. I'm going to neglect that in my thinking. I'm not going to pay attention to that over and over and over again. But the neglecting, the forgetting is one part. Paul goes on to say, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's not enough to stop beating myself up about the past. It's not enough to try to stop thinking about the past. I've also got to have something to live for in my future. I've got to have some direction that I'm moving in. And Paul said, this is what I do. Like every day, I'm straining toward, I'm pressing forward because I know that God has callings and purposes for my life. Regardless of what I did in the past, regardless of the mistakes I made in the past, I know that God has purpose and calling for what's in front of me. And so Paul says, look, this is my one thing. I'm going to neglect the past. I'm going to strain towards, I'm going to push towards who God is calling me to be in the future. Because see, here's the thing. There's nothing that I can do 
today to change the person I was five years ago? There's nothing. There's nothing I can do today to change what I did or said or chose 10 years ago. There's nothing I can do. But there's plenty I can do to change the person I'm going to be tomorrow. And you're the same way. And there's, there's nothing you can do that will change the person, the spouse, the parent. Nothing you can do to change that person 10 years ago or 5 years ago or 6 months ago or 2 weeks ago. But there's plenty you can do today that will change who you're going to be tomorrow. And Paul says, why don't you get busy doing that? Why don't you press toward what God is calling you to be in your future? Instead of spending all of your time regretting your past, start straining towards who God is calling you to be tomorrow. Because you can't change the past. You can only change tomorrow. In another place, Paul writes, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Paul says, there's at least two kinds of grief over our past. There's at least two kinds of grief over things that we've done. He he calls one of them worldly sorrow. That's the type of sorrow that just reminds you how terrible you are over and over again. That's that's the kind of sorrow that just just makes you feel guilty over and over again. And, And Paul labels that as death. Paul says that type of sorrow doesn't lead anywhere. It doesn't open up a future for you. It cuts you off from the future that you're supposed to have. It terminates what God is trying to do in you because you're looking back. Worldly sorrow leads to death, whereas godly sorrow leads to repentance. It's a word in the Bible that means to to turn around, to think differently. To act differently. To move away. It's not not that I'm going to sit here and feel bad for that. I'm actually going to turn away from that to something new. To salvation. To freedom. To all that God wants to do in me, in my tomorrows. Not just all the ways that I've failed in my past. And that salvation, that pursuing of Christ moves me away from future regrets. You you and I, we can't change the regrets of the past, but we can prevent the regrets of the future. Maybe not all of them. We're we're still imperfect. We still make mistakes. But you and I, as, as we press towards God's calling on our life, the work of Christ in our life, the purposes of God in our life, we can't change any regrets from the past, but but we can eliminate some regrets in our future. Don't you hope, regardless of what your regrets are in your past right now, don't you hope five years from now you don't have any regrets about this season of your life? You don't look back on this season and say, I wish I would have. I should have done something differently. I wish I'd made a different choice. School just started. Hold your applause, students. Yeah. Teachers. Teachers. Yeah, school just started, <clears throat> students. Fast forward five years, fast forward 10 years, fast forward 30 years. Don't you hope that you don't look back at this year and think, boy, I wish I would have lived differently my senior year in high school. 
I mean, don't, don't you hope 10 years from now, you're not looking back at this school year and thinking, well, I wish, I wish my sophomore year in high school, I would have made different decisions. I would have hung out with different people. I would have made different choices. I wish my freshman year of college would have been different. You can't change regrets of the past, but you can eliminate some regrets from your future. And, and not just students, all of us. You can't change anything about the past. But there's a lot that you and I can do to change the future. Now, some of you, as we've talked about this, you, you look at your life and, and there are things you would do differently and choices you wish you could, you could undo. Maybe they're not major. Maybe they're not catastrophic. But probably for some of us, they're huge. Maybe for most of us. There's one or two or three, or, or maybe there's a period of our life. There's a year, there's five years. Maybe there's 10 years of our life that we just think we made the worst decisions during that period. That's why I want you to know that God's grace is big enough for whatever it is that's in your past. It's big enough. The callings and purposes of God for your future, they're bigger than anything in your past. The work that God wants to do in you tomorrow and next month and next year and for the rest of your life is bigger than any misstep you've taken up to this point. It's just bigger. And maybe it doesn't seem bigger to you yet, but I'm telling you, the love of God, the grace of God that would send His Son, Jesus, to cover all of your mistakes and all of our sins and all of our missteps is big enough for whatever is in your past or my past. And some of us need to live in that freedom. We need to walk in that freedom. To walk in what Paul calls salvation. To be set free. Uh, some of us remember a day where this became so clear to us because we realized that everything that we'd ever done wrong could be forgiven because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. We realized for the first time that God not only created us and not only knew we were going to mess up, but He provided a way for grace and forgiveness for all the things that we messed up. That He sent Jesus into the world to live and die and rise again so that no matter what's in my past, no matter what's in my present, no matter even what's in my future, that Jesus would pay for and God would forgive. And we repented. We changed the way we thought about things. We changed the way we act. We changed our life because of what Jesus did. We trusted that Jesus made a way for our salvation. And for some of us, it's been a long time ago and and we've made some missteps and we have some regrets and maybe we've forgotten just how fully we've been forgiven. And maybe for some of us, you've never made that step in your life. This is the day. Like this is the day to be set free from your sin for all time and eternity through the person of Jesus by putting your faith and trust in the fact that Jesus lived and died and rose to cover all of your sins. I pray that today somebody starts living in freedom, maybe for the first time in a long time. Somebody 
lets go of the guilt and the regret and the baggage and learns that Jesus has set you free to live out His purposes and callings for your life and for your future. God, I I pray that you would help us because if we're really honest, if we're really honest and not defensive, we would probably all admit that there are There are things in our life we'd like to do over. There are choices we made. There are things we said. There are relationships we engaged in. Yeah, we just wish we could undo them. And although we can't make them go away, Father, we know that your grace covers all of them. We know that whatever is in the past does not change the callings and purposes that Jesus has for our future. So help us to forget what's in the past, to strain toward, to press toward the purposes and callings of Jesus for our futures. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.